Well, good morning, Arbor. Hey, it's good to be with you this morning. My name is Jake, and today what we're doing is we're concluding a short series that we started entitled Begin Again. When we put this thing together, the whole idea was simple. We just wanted to address the lockdown, COVID-19, and all the pain and all the hurt and the fact that we have an opportunity to begin again with a new culture and a new life through the midst of this. And on top of this, new layers in the last two weeks have only uh, intensified and magnified the division and the upheaval when it comes to racism. And so we talked about that. Last week we pivoted and we talked about racial reconciliation and how it's got to start here. It's got to start like Psalm 139 says, we got to search our hearts first. And so we're going to continue that conversation as a church. Today what I want to do more than anything else is I want to talk about the hope that we have in Jesus. And the fact that through him, we can begin again. I am the proud father of four beautiful kids. I have three of them here on earth. One of them is up in heaven with Jesus. And I want you to know this. I was there for all four of their births. I don't want to brag or anything. My wife did the majority of the work, but I was present. And I hear so many people say about the birth experience that it is a beautiful thing. They'll say birth is a beautiful thing. And I want to ask them in that moment, have you been to one? Because birth isn't beautiful. Birth is scary. I was terrified holding my wife's hand. In all four times, I was terrified standing there. I mean, I was thanking God that I did not have the anatomy and that she was doing this because it was scary. She knocked it out of the park. She's four for four. I remember all the details of all four of my kids during their birth. But one thing I don't remember is being born myself. I remember my wedding day, I remember graduation, I remember all these big monumental moments in my life, but I do not recall being born. I don't remember what the weather was like outside that day, I don't know who was in the room, I don't know what I was wearing, apparently I was wearing some sort of suit, but who knows, I remember zero of the details and I have to imagine that you don't remember your birth either. And so how do we know that it happened, right? If we can't remember it, how do we know that we were actually born? Well, for one, we are alive. Life necessitates birth. We must first be born before we can be alive. And even though we don't recall, even though we don't remember, we know that our birth preceded our life. The way that most people think about the human existence, the way that we kind of organize it in our head is this sequence. We think birth, life, death. We have birth, life, death. We are born at a certain point in time. We live for about 79 years. That's the American average. And then we eventually kick the bucket and we die. That's how most of us think about the human experience. But friends, that's not how God thinks. That's not how God thinks about it. He thinks a little differently. He thinks like this, death, birth, life. He thinks death, 
birth life. That's how the Bible explains it. See, we are physically born in a rebellion against God. A lot of us think, hey, when we are born, we are innocent. No, friends, we are not born perfect. We are not born good. Uh, We are born fallen. We are born into the curse of this world. We are born into death. And then from there, what happens is God reverses that. He reverses the curse, and we have another birth. And from there, that birth moves us into new life, abundant life, eternal life. That's, friends, how God thinks about it. Not birth, life, death, but death, new birth, and then eternal life. This morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about that. And I want to use a passage in John chapter 3. And you'll notice right away, friends, that in the middle of this passage, we will find the most well-known verse in all of Scripture, John 3.16. And I'm sure if you guys were all here, and we were together, which would be so nice, that if I were to say, hey, let's say this together, the majority of you would not have to look it up in your Bible. You could recite it. Off the cuff, you could say, this, you could say the verse, John 3.16. So many of us have memorized that, committed it to memory, but actually fewer of us know the context in which that verse is spoken. Because that, vo- that verse was spoken in the context of a conversation. Jesus is actually having a conversation with a religious leader when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Context is key. And so what I want to do is I want to break down the context of this conversation. I want to do it verse by verse. And so let's start in verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Now there is a backstory here. Everybody's got one. Everybody's got a past. Everybody has come from somewhere. And Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Nicodemus uh, was religious. He was a part of the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish ruling council. These, my friends, are the big dogs. They're the top of the food chain. They ran the show when it came to religion in a culture where religion ran everything. And yet, here we have Nicodemus coming to Jesus. How is he coming? At night. He is coming at night. Now, I don't know about you, but when I want to do something that is fun and I don't want to get caught, I do it at night. When I was a youth pastor, I was involved in a whole lot of teepeeing. I would go and I would toilet paper someone's house. Obviously, we don't want to do that now because toilet paper is expensive and cherished and needed. And we hold it and we covet it and we keep it close to our hearts. I'm going too far. But here's what I'm saying. Teepeeing. We would go and we would teepee someone's house. You do it at night. Why? You don't want to get caught. 
In fact, years ago, I had some girls that went to TP my house, and when I woke up in the morning, I noticed that my neighbor's house was TP'd. They got the wrong house, but how did they do it? They did it under the cover of darkness. When you roll, you roll in the dark because you don't want to get caught. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night in the dark. Why? Because he doesn't want his religious colleagues to know that he is talking to Jesus, Jesus who wasn't religious, Jesus who was not orthodox. Jesus was not an esteemed member of the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin if for Nicodemus to be a part of that, just so you know, to be a member, you basically had to memorize the first five books of the Bible before you were 10 years old. Nicodemus would have done this. Friends, in the five books of the Bible, I want you to know this. Deuteronomy is a part of that. Have you ever read the book of Deuteronomy? If you were an insomniac, and you're struggling to get some sleep, and you've tried Ambien, and you've tried essential oils, and you've tried NyQuil, and those things are not working, might I suggest the book of Deuteronomy? Because you read that thing, you crack it open, in five minutes you'll be sleeping like a baby. Nicodemus had to memorize this thing, and he did. He read every verse, every line, every chapter. He knew the book but he had never met the author. He had read every single page, and yet somewhere there was some dissatisfaction inside of his heart. And so he was curious. He was curious about this guy who turned water into wine. He was curious about this guy who, who, who walked on water, who calmed water, who calmed a storm. He was curious about this guy who raised people from the dead. He was curious enough, just enough, to risk his reputation and his occupation. Why? Because he had to meet the man. He had to meet the author. He had to meet Jesus. Why would Nicodemus risk all of this? Here's why. It's because Nicodemus' religion left him empty. It left him empty. And maybe that describes some of you. I'm going to shoot straight with you today. I want you to look at yourself as we go through this passage, and I want you to ask the question, can I see myself in Nicodemus? Can I see myself in him? Because some of you, you have tried religion. You have tried church. You have tried sex. You've tried alcohol. You've tried success. You've tried all the things that are supposed to make you happy, and yet you find that you are not. You may look happy on the outside. You may put on a good show, but you're not happy. You are not satisfied. You don't have peace. When you lay your head on your pillow at night, and it's dark, and it's silent, and there's nobody else there but you. If you don't have peace inside, the peace that Jesus offers, there will be a voice that will speak to you, and that voice will say, you're missing something. You are missing something. And Nicodemus went to Jesus because he didn't have peace and because he was missing something. Eventually, he asked this question. He asked, Jesus, how could you do these miracles? In other words, are you the Messiah or not? Who are you? 
Where do you come from? What's your angle? What's your motive? What's your agenda? How can you do these miracles? And the cool thing about Jesus is he's not mean. He's not harsh. He's not angry. He simply sidesteps the question. He sidesteps it because the question is a smokescreen. It's not the real issue. The real issue is not the question of how Jesus performs miracles. The real issue is the condition of Nicodemus's soul. That is the issue. Nicodemus doesn't need more information. What he needs is salvation. And sometimes we think we know what we need and really it's what we want. We want information, more you know, answers to tough questions. We want an easier life, more, bigger, better. But Jesus isn't interested in what we want. He's interested in what we need. And he knows that so many of us, we don't need more information. What we need is true transformation. And that only comes through his salvation. And so with Nicodemus, that's why he went straight through, avoided his question to talk and to say this in verse 3. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are, and here's our phrase, born again. Unless they are born again again. Paraphrase. Nicodemus, you don't understand. You can't see the kingdom of God because you're dead. Nicodemus, this doesn't make sense because you need to be born again. And it's right here that Jesus introduces this brand new concept, this brand new phrase of being born again. And so, Nicodemus, being a normal guy, has some questions about being born again. He asks this in verse 4. He says, How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Can we just admit that that is a little awkward? That is a little uncomfortable. Some of you read the Bible like you're a spiritual guru. Unfortunately, I can't do that. I have to read the Bible like the average Joe that I am. And so when Nicodemus asks the question, can a grown man climb back in? That's gross. That's a little disturbing, right? Just the word womb. Ugh, I can't do it. And so what is Jesus doing here? And I love, I love the Lord for so many reasons, and this is one of them. Jesus knows when to throw a wild pitch. Jesus knows when to throw a wild pitch. I know none of us are watching baseball right now, but I, I actually used to play baseball, and in fact, I used to be a pitcher. And my coach would tell me this. He says, if you know you have a batter that's coming up, right, and you know they're good, you know they, they're the leadoff or the cleanup, either number one or number four typically. If you know they can knock it out of the park, here's what you do. You throw some heat, you throw some junk, and every once in a while you throw the wild pitch. And, and what you're doing there is you're trying to get their attention. You're not aiming for their head, just their nose. You want to brush them back, back them off the plate just a little bit to get their attention. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing right here. Nicodemus is asking the wrong question. 
And so Jesus is brushing him back off the plate by introducing this, this obscure new topic, this idea of being born again. Verse 5, Jesus responds. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven. And so this statement right here is pretty big. He says, unless, unless, here's a caveat, here's a condition, here's the requirement, unless they are born of water and the spirit. Water meaning a natural birth, spirit meaning a new birth. Verse six, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You must not be surprised at, at my saying, you must, again, another key word, must, be born again. Friends, the reason pastors and preachers like myself will say you must be born again is because Jesus himself said you must be born again. And if Jesus said it, then it's, it's probably pretty important. Jesus continues, he says, the wind blows wherever, wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus is introducing the Holy Spirit into the process of being born again. Verse 9, Nicodemus asks, how can this be? In other words, how does this work, Jesus? You seem to understand. You seem to know what you're talking about. It makes a little bit of sense, but I'm not quite getting it. Can you help me to get there? Help me to understand. And Jesus responds again kindly, but very directly. Here's what he says. He says, you are Israel's teacher and do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen. But still, you people, and he's talking about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, you do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone, and here it is, who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus is explaining how someone can be born again. We are born again when we believe. And it's right here where we get to our verse, the most famous verse in the history of verses. Now remember, John 3.16 happens in the context of a conversation of a man who really, really wanted to know about God. And so what does Jesus say to him? He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And verse 17 is just as important as verse 16. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Friend, Jesus did not come to punish you. He didn't come to hurt you. He didn't come to take your fun away. 
He didn't come to make your life miserable. He didn't come to mess your life up. In fact, he came to give you life. He came to save you. He came to set you free. Regardless of what you've thought, regardless of what you've heard, regardless of what you've experienced, the real, true Jesus came to save you, not to send you to hell. Some of you need to hear that today. You need to hear those words. He did not come to condemn you. Look at what it says in verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And so what can we learn from this conversation from an honest man who is seeking honest answers. Are there any parallels from this conversation that we can pull into our lives today? And I think that there are. Here's the first one. It's a person, not a position, that brings us peace. It is a person, not a position, that brings us peace. Nicodemus, he had it all. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. That means that he had influence, that he had fame, and that he had money, not just a little bit of money. He had great wealth for being a part of this Jewish council. Nicodemus had everything that any man could possibly desire, and yet he didn't have peace. He didn't have peace so much that he was willing to compromise and forfeit his position to have a personal conversation with Jesus. Friends, it's a person, not a position that brings us peace. Michael Jackson was, I, I was a big fan, I will admit. In high school, I was a huge fan. If you talk to anybody who knew me in high school, they knew the one artist that I love, and that was Michael. That was MJ. My buddy and I, we would learn the music. We would play it all the time. We learned the dance moves. I mean, we, we had the whole thing down. And Michael has earned a lot or did earn a lot of money in his career. Millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. But did you know that there was one thing that Michael Jackson and all of his fame and all of his, his wealth could not buy? One thing. He was known by virtually everybody in the world and there was one thing he couldn't purchase and that was sleep. Michael Jackson could not sleep. And if you look at some of his interviews that he had, he would talk about, catch this, the lack of peace and the fact that his mind would run at night and he couldn't close his eyes and go to sleep. It constantly run. And ironically, Michael's death, his tragic loss of life happened right in the middle of his big comeback rehearsal tour and record, and he died from the very drug that he was given to help him sleep. Friends, a position will never buy you peace. It comes from a person. I have a wife, like I said, and, and three kids here on earth. They are the joy of my life. And if you were to offer me the Biltmore Mansion, if you were to offer me a castle in England, or you were to actually offer me the Grand Californian in Disneyland, right on Disney property, I'll tell you this, the only way that I would ever live in one of those places is if I could take my family with me. Friends, I'd rather live in a shack with a cardboard ceiling, roof, 
than to live in a mansion and in a palace without them. Why? Because we all intuitively know that deep down in our hearts, it's a person, not a place, not a position that brings us peace. And that was the message Jesus gave to Nicodemus, and that's his message for you today. It's a person, and let me be clear when I say a person. I'm talking about the person of Jesus Christ, him and him alone. It is a person that brings us peace, not a position. Second thing, another thing that we can learn from Nicodemus. We can come to Jesus in our darkness. We can come to Jesus in our darkness. We don't have to get cleaned up. We don't have to get dressed up. We don't have to get all fixed up to come and to see him. When I gave my life to Jesus, really decided to follow him right out of high school. I was still listening to Michael Jackson all the time. I had my earrings and my baggy pants and my spiky hair, and I did not look like someone who would don the door of a church. But yet, I wanted to know about Jesus. And so I went to church, and I went regularly by myself. There was a lot of older people there. I might have been the one teenager that was, that was actually at that church. Very small church. And I remember this. I will never forget this. It was after a church service, and an, and an old guy who, probably, who had good intentions, he came up to me. And again, I'm just trying to get to know Jesus however I can. And what he said to me, he said, young man, next time you come back to church, dress like it. And I can't tell you how discouraged I was in that moment. I was confused at what that meant. I wish I was wiser. I wish I had the wisdom I have now. And I would say, brother, I love you. But God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And my heart it longs for Jesus right now. And I'm coming to Jesus in my darkness. I'm coming to Jesus just as I am. And friends, you can come to Jesus if you've messed up. You can come to Jesus if you've messed up big time. You can come to Jesus with all your shame. You can come to Jesus with all your baggage. You can come to Jesus if, if you've got questions. You can come to Jesus if you have doubts. You can come to Jesus if you're addicted to pills. You can come to Jesus if you're addicted to porn. You can come to Jesus if you're straight or if you're gay. You can come to Jesus today if you have a hangover from last night because last night was the worst night of your life. You can come to Jesus just as you are. We can come to Jesus in our darkness. In fact, friends, it's the only option we've got. We can't come to Jesus in our perfection because you ain't got none, and I ain't got none. We can only come to Jesus in our darkness. And he welcomes us. Another thing we learned from Nicodemus in this conversation is that we are really born again when we truly believe. We are really born again when we truly believe. Seven times, Seven times in this passage, Jesus uses the word believe. If he said it once, we would have said that's important. If he said it twice, we'd be like, okay, I get the point. But Nicodemus asks, how can this be? 
And seven times Jesus responds by saying, you've got to believe. You've got to believe. Jesus understands what I hope that you will understand today, and that is this. Salvation cannot be achieved. It can only be received. And it's only received when we believe. We can't earn it. We can't attain it. We can't work for God's love. We cannot achieve God's salvation. We can only receive God's salvation. And we receive it when we believe it. When we believe that Jesus took our sin, when we believe that he died in our place, that he went to the cross and he paid the punishment that was our punishment, and that he didn't stay dead, that three days later he rose from the grave, when we believe that, that he alone is our only hope, when we call upon his name, the Bible tells us in that moment in time, we are saved. We are born again through the power of God Almighty. When we believe, friends, friend, you can start over. I know some of you, you want a fresh start right now. You could start again, a new identity, a new beginning, a fresh start. You can have that. And you can have that when you believe. When we believe in him, we can begin again. Another thing that we can learn from this conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus, and I love this one. This one is so important. Don't settle for I don't know. When it comes to your eternity, don't settle for I don't know. It's foolish if you do. It's so foolish. Nicodemus risked his reputation, his occupation, because he had to know. Right out of high school, when I started going to that small church, I didn't go because someone invited me to church. I didn't go because it was the popular thing to do. I went because I had to know. I had to know if this God thing was real. And if it was, I'm going to dedicate my life to him. But if it's not, I just need to know. And Nicodemus, he needed to know. Here's what I'm saying. Life is short. Life is unpredictable. We all know that at some point in time, we're going to take our last breath. We don't know when that is, but there's no way in the world we're going to defeat the odds. It's not going to happen. And so in the meantime, while there is still time, we cannot, should not, must not settle for I don't know. We can't settle for I don't know because you can know. How do I know that? First John 5, the same John that wrote this gospel also wrote the letter. And here's what he had to say. He said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, God, so that you may, here it is, you may know, you may know that you have eternal life. Not think, not hope, not wonder. We can know. How are we born again? When we believe in Jesus, and when we believe, we can take it to the bank. We can know for a fact. We can count on it. We can bank on it. We can stand on it. We can build our life on it. You can live like a new man. 
You could live like a new woman because that's who you are with a new identity given to us when we are born again by the Spirit. Don't settle for I don't know. When I asked my wife to marry me, I asked and I wanted a very clear uh uh-huh or uh uh-uh answer. That's what I wanted. If she would have said, honey, I love you, but I don't know. I probably would have waited for a little bit of time, but I would not have waited for my lifetime. I'm so glad she said yes, but if she didn't and she said, I don't know, I wouldn't have waited. And friends, I'm not talking about a proposal. I'm talking about your eternal destiny. I'm talking about forever and ever and ever. I'm talking about your soul that will live on in time unending. Don't settle for I don't know. You can know by believing in Jesus. The last thing, and then we're done. This is the last thing, and then we're done. Jesus says this in verse 14. He says, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And what he's talking about here is he's talking about his crucifixion. He's saying that at some point down the road, I'm letting you know, Nicodemus, I'm going to be put on a cross. And Roman soldiers are going to nail my hands and my feet on the cross. And then they're going to lift me up. And when they lift me up, it's for the whole world to see. And when they see me, they will see the love of God. And when Jesus was crucified on that cross, his curse became our cure. His curse became our cure. And that's so important because he's able. And and this is important. He's not just willing. He is able to be our cure. Friends, I am willing to fly. And I don't mean in an airplane. I mean I'm willing to fly. Flap my arms and fly. I I would love it. If you have the ability to bestow upon me the, the ability to fly, I will take it. I am willing, but I lack the ability. Jesus is not only willing, he is able to give us new life. Why? Because he bore our sins on the cross. He paid the punishment that we should have paid. What is that? How is that even possible? Here's how. He was perfect. He was sinless. And because of that, he paid the ultimate price for us. He's not only willing, but he is able. He became our cure. The cross is the curse. His curse became our cure. Here's what it always all boils down to. This is it. I'm going to make it real simple, and then I'm going to pray. My question that I have for you today is this, is do you trust in Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? Jesus said, we must be born again. He said, we must. And so the question is, do you trust his must? I'm asking you that. Do we trust his must? I promise you, he's not going to lead you astray. He's not going to lie to you. He's not going to hurt you. He's not here to ruin your life. He's not going to condemn you. He's here to save you. There's no doctor. There's no pill. There's no therapy. There's no TV show. There's no movie. 
There's no solution, no entertainment, no experience, no money, no career, no position, no place, nothing at all in this life that can make you born again except for the power of Almighty God. Don't settle for I don't know. Don't settle for I don't know. Trust in his must and receive simply by believing. And in that moment, you will be born again. You see, Nicodemus, he knew all about the book. He had read the book, but he had never met the author. He had never met the author, and he had to meet him, so he did. He went and he met him. And friends, you have that opportunity today. You have the opportunity to meet the man. You have the opportunity to meet the author. You can begin again. Would you bow your head with me? Maybe you're sitting at home today and you're thinking to yourself, this has been a lot. There's a lot that's going on and I don't know how to take all this. I don't know how to process all this. I feel so lost. You can start again through the grace and the salvation of Jesus. And if that's you and you want to begin again and you want to be born again, you simply need to receive the free gift. And so if you would, where you're at, even with your, with your family, would you repeat these words after me? Would you pray with me? Would you say, dear Jesus, I need you in my life. I recognize, I recognize who you are and what you have done, and I am grateful. And out of faith, out of believing, I want to be a follower of yours. I want to be born again. Would you help me, Lord, to become a new person, a new man, a new woman in you? I need you. I declare that upon you. And I thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you for how you loved me. Lord, help me to take the next steps to follow you with all my heart. I want to be your child, your son, your daughter. Lord, I declare today, I am yours. And through faith, I begin again as I am born again.